0: Hello, and thank you for downloading this Disegno podcast. My name is India Block, and I'm the deputy editor for Disegno Journal. Over the past year, machine learning algorithms have entered the mainstream of both media discourse and design industry discussions, opening up a landscape of new tools and ethical challenges for creatives. Image generation platform Midjourney entered Open Beta in July 2022, allowing users to create images from text prompts. And in November of that year, AI chatbot ChatGPT launched, creating convincing, if sometimes misleading, texts from simple prompts. One lifestyle brand that is embracing what generative AI can do for design is Moi. At its exhibition, A Life Extraordinary, Moi demonstrated the potential of AI collaboration with Moi by Every Human, a room-fragrance robot that creates personalized scents powered by an algorithm. Cotinella Bella a new decorative motif designed using AI, was also on display as part of their 2023 collection. To discuss this work further, Desenio and Moy brought together a panel of experts to discuss what AI means for design. Joining me in conversation was Moy co-founder Marcel Wonders, Fuse Project founder Yves Bahar, Clark Sheffi, Managing Director of IDO, and co-founders of Every Human and Centronics, Anhita Mechanic, and Frederick Duernick. The conversation ranged from artistic authenticity to technology's unintended consequences, questions of copyright to what the impact of these tech shortcuts could mean for the next generation of designers. It was recorded as a live discussion, tweaking is optional, during Milan Design Week 2023, and you can listen to how the conversation unfolded here. I hope you enjoy the discussion. Great, thank you so much all for joining us here today in Mois beautiful showroom. My name's India, I'm the deputy editor of Designio, which is the magazine that you can see scattered lying around. And we're very excited to be hosting this panel talk today. Um, tweaking is optional, where we're going to be asking our wonderful panel how can design brands meaningfully engage with AI? Um, obviously, you're watching us all here live. This is also going to be recorded as a podcast. So if you don't get enough the first time, you can come back and uh, listen to it again. So behind me, we have uh, Marcel Wonders, who I'm sure you all know. And he is bringing with him a huge kind of breadth and depth of design knowledge. And uh, then to his left, we have Frederick Duranic and um, Anahita Mechanic, who are behind every human, and they are the ones who created this gorgeous machine here. Hopefully you all get a chance to try it, but it allows you to harness AI to create your own personalized room scent. And if you want to get started, there's little QR codes dotted around the room as well. And then behind... (laughs) Anahita. We have Clark Sheffy who is here from San Francisco, and he is the managing director of IDEO. And then, of course, we have Yves Bahar who has uh, been working at the forefront of technology for many, many years and is the founder of Fuse Project. I guess to kick us off, could you all give a little brief intro to what you uh, do with AI in your... In your wheelhouse, if you are using it currently, if you plan to use it in future
1: yeah le- let me let me kick off that i don 't do uh, too much with AI, but for this uh, event, I thought, why not let AI answer this question <laughs> so I asked uh, chat what's going to happen in the coming ten years, and uh, chat. GTP uh, wrote this. It's going to be three minutes. It's a bit long, but I think it's, it's, it's a good kickoff uh, that we can discuss. Artificial intelligence, AI, is revolutionising the way we live and work, and the world of style and design and architecture is no exception. In the coming five to ten years, AI will transform these industries in ways that were previously unimaginable. One of the most significant ways AI will change the world of style is through the development of virtual personal stylists. These AI-powered systems will be able to analyze an and individual's physical features, clothing preferences, and even purchase history to suggest personalized outfits and accessories. This will make it easier for consumers to find the perfect outfit for any occasion without having to go through the frustration of trying on multiple pieces. AI technology will also change the way products are designed. Designers will use AI to stimulate real-world scenarios and test different products before they are even created. This will help to reduce the time and cost of developing new products and minimize the risk of product failure. AI tools will also facilitate the creation of custom designs for the consumers, allowing them to participate in the design process and personalize their products. In the field of architecture, AI will make the design process faster, more efficient, and more sustainable. Architects will use AI-powered software to predict how the buildings will look, function before it's built, allowing them to optimize the design for energy efficiency and environmental sustainability. AI will help also uh, architects to quickly generate solutions for complex structural problems, saving time and reducing human error. In conclusion, AI has the potential to transform the world of style and design and architecture in the coming 5 to 10 years. It will facilitate the creation of personalized products, enhance the design process and improve the construction industry. While some people may worry about impacts on AI on their jobs, I think there's a few here maybe. um, The reality is that AI will create new opportunities that we will have yet to imagine It's an exciting time for these industries, and we are poised to witness a transformational period driven by AI, as as AI suggests us to understand.
0: Yeah, AI seems to have a very positive vision of its future. I would like the wardrobe from Clueless, so if I could have a personal AI stylist, that would be nice. But um, I'm a bit worried now that AI is going to take over my role as moderator. And actually, that kind of brings me uh, return back to my original question, but um, can I get like a show of hands of everyone here? Have you used an AI? Have you played with AI? One of these chat GPT things, mid journey? Yeah, that, that, I would say about half of you. Um, is anyone worried that AI is going to take their job? Oh, only one. B- okay, two people, <laughs> and they both work in media. Oops. Um, <laughs> okay, this is good. So everyone is feeling some
1: surprise <laughs> is going to be made.
0: <laughs> what do you think that AI is coming for everyone's jobs?
1: I, I think I think a lot of people are going to just have to uh, come up with new plans for their lives.
0: Okay, you heard it here first. Um, Frederick and Anahita, could you tell us a little bit more about the way that you've been working with design in your practice?
2: Yeah, (coughs) the core of what we do is uh, exactly what ChatGPT suggested, um, is that we allow people through AI to create their own scent, their own custom uh, room fragrance, and and, uh, it's ultimate luxury offered to a technology platform which uh, was before uh, unimaginable.
3: Um, I would say for me, the interest that I see in AI coming from a scent designer background is that it just opens the, the interaction with a medium that's still quite inaccessible to pretty much anyone. So it's really you know, using AI like the pedal assist on your, on your e-bike to be able to get further than you, you would have ever imagine. And then you know, the human-machine interaction of the creative process continues. But that's the exciting and the I would say the novel path in terms of scent design that it offers. At the consumer level
0: yeah i think it's really interesting um what you're doing is almost kind of democratizing access to scent but it's not per se putting uh perfumers out of a role there's still a human element
3: there is well
1: <coughs> not yet
3: not yet uh there is a human element because it has to learn from humans to begin with so there's a lot of back-end work and we know we also work with perfumers and developers and you know it doesn't know perception so all of that goes you know into the setting up of of this uh, learning platform but in this moment you know it it doesn't rely necessarily on on a perfumer to continue creating because it is a source of creation the palette of ingredients are there and you know there's billions of possibilities Um, But it is very much still an interaction between human and machine.
0: Great, thank you. And Clark, I mean, you're coming from San Francisco, the beating heart of all the tech companies, the places that are making these tools that we're all just going to be living in the world they create. Um, Where do you come from with AI?
4: Um, We're diving headfirst into it and using it in as many ways as we can right now. if you read, uh, if you ask engineers who work on these tools how they work, they can't exactly tell you. So, they don't know what's going on inside, really. Um, so, as designers, we need to be, we need to be out there working with it, or it'll it'll work us. Um, so, we're diving in. We're using it, I'd say broadly, as a kind of creative partner, um, sometimes to help synthesize insights, sometimes to contribute ideas. One of my colleagues. Uh, wrote a script to ask AI to critique every idea they had on a project and uh, came back with some really negative opinions. So they rewrote it to say, could you please constructively critique? And that was actually quite helpful to the team. So um, lots of experiments happening and just trying to be in it as much as possible right now.
0: That's very interesting because um, there's been a lot of discussion. Obviously, I'm a journalist and coming from that background, a lot of publishing houses are setting out how they. Want to use AI, and um, while, like, hopefully my job is going to be taken because AI does introduce a lot of lies. It makes up sources. It makes up quotes. I would be fired from my job if you caught me doing that. Um, they did fire Boris Johnson for that once, and um, but they are. I think it's Insider magazine has decided that they are going to use AI for generating pictures for generating ideas. Um, so that's interesting to hear that that's also happening in design as well. And of course, Eve, where are you on AI?
5: Well, I've had a lot of time to think about it. <coughs> um, so we've been using AI for, for I think since 2007. So the the first two products were cleaning products. Uh, we had designed the Roomba or the the previous product from the Roomba. Um, then we use AI for kids products, so the SNOO, the Happiest Baby SNOO. Um, you know, and uh, you know, security products, aging products, education with the uh, Moxie, um, the education robot. So you know, for me, it's a tool. I, I, I use it inside of a robot or a home product to, to deliver a better experience. And my belief is that actually AI is much better at delivering a specialized service for a human than it is about the general sort of uh, just delivering something to the general public. Um, I, you know, I'll equate it to, you know, something like social media, you know, which we have embraced fully without realizing, and this is, you know, AI cannot. Deliver the the uh, the ultimate unintended consequences of AI, right? When you ask how what what is the future of AI, um, and the unintended consequences consequences of social media have been dramatic, right? I mean, I mean, if you look at teenagers, they're not in a good place. It's it's removed a lot of um, what being a teen is about, um, and so. You know, When we talk about the jobs or, and whatnot, I don't actually think it's going to take many jobs. So I'm a, I'm a contrarian there. Um, but I do think the unintended consequences, we have no idea what they're going to be. We can all be talking heads and say it's going to be such and such, but I think it's possibly quite different. But I believe in technology as a tool, just like the fabric or the leather that we're sitting on. It's something that, or the carbon in this case for me. It's something that delivers a really unique uh, opportunity in design.
0: That's really interesting. So, as a tool, it's a tool, it's a conduit for your creativity. You don't think that AI is something that could ever truly create? Because I think what a lot of these discussions have been around is obviously AI, ChatGPT, Midjourney, they are trained on large banks of text and images that already exist in the internet, and then you can use them to kind of create. Infinite no. variations, but it's not ever original. Or do you think it could create something original?
5: So I had this exact discussion. Uh, Marcel is sort of probably familiar with some of the characters. We're six people over dinner, three people in the AI field, more like in the financial VC world, and a couple of people who are actually running businesses based on creativity, uh, including music. So, um, the founder of MTV, the owner founder of, um, of of the largest radio station network in the U.S., was there at the table, and you know I I'm personally struggling with this notion that something original will come out of just the smashing and you know of of, of data that's around. And he said, we use lots of AI. We l- use lots of AI to predict when. You know, a song that's taking off when it should play, how many times an hour it should play, in which region it should play, at which time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But every artist who, you know, who has tried so hard to get a hit, right? I mean, every those big artists that we know um, want to get a hit, and the ones that have like a big room of people like helping them, like that use AI and other tools to sort of. Uh, predict what's going to be a hit; they all fail, and so they give up on it. And they're like, "I'm just going to do what I love. I'm just going to do what, you know, what makes me happy and, um, as a musician." And this is when those artists have a hit. Um, why? Because what what we react to, without knowing as human beings, is authenticity, and and the authenticity can be seen in design, and music, and the arts, etc. And I don't know, personally, I don't think that AI can deliver authenticity. I think humans can. It can do lots of things in the background, but I don't know that it will create what we celebrate as, um, in the creative fields.
0: Anahita and Frederick, I wonder if you have any points to bring on that, because there is something that is being created every time someone interacts with one of your machines, is that A.I. creating something or is the human involvement the kind of magic ingredient that brings authenticity? I, I
2: think what we see when people um, um, interact with the system is the, the fact that they have given input uh, and uh, the depth of the input that they're giving um, creates a connectivity to the product that comes out. Uh, and I think that's, that's very crucial. So, if, if um, you know, we, we've been playing around with different variations of what we do in length and how we get people to engage with the system, and that determines for a lot um, how much uh, value they give to the product that comes out. So, I, I think um, there is a lot of, um, if you go to authenticity how that's being perceived, it has a lot to do with how things are being packaged or how it's being communicated or how the engagement is with, with the end user. I'm I a little bit on the opposite front, I, I do think that something as authenticity at a certain moment technology will understand. Uh, because the, if you look at the fastness the, the, the of data that is available uh, the, you know, and h- how fast Technology is iterating. I, 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 have no doubt that it will, you know, it will understand that someday.
3: I think what's um, the core of the experience that we offer is that the technology is allowing you to have access and, a, I would say, an authentic relationship with again a medium that typically you just sort of take off the shelf. So it's a bit of a counterintuitive in some ways but it ends up being a very personable, intimate, um, a lot of conversations that come out of uh, once the person has smelled the scent are also, it's like a real heart opener. Once they've smelled, you know, they've traveled in time, space, all the wonderful things that we know scent can do in terms of our emotions. So you're connecting with whomever the visitor, the user is on a totally different level than the Current model, you know, I go, I pick up something, and I leave. So I find that really interesting. You know, again, it's a tool that we use. It is also a creative source, and the blend of the two allows you to just really have this very, yeah, immediate access to uh, a sense that's a little bit forgotten. You know, if you put it on the on the realm of all the other, you know, vision and, and sound. You know, smell is still a little bit the the underdog.
4: Yeah, just one thought that. Um, Eve, you triggered for me on the music hit in the news today was the track created by a fake Drake and The Weeknd, which obviously made everybody panic. So um, I agree with you on the. It was out- a hit, right? Yeah, it was a hit. Um, enough of a hit that all the major platforms pulled it off, and they're trying to figure out who did it. So, um, and and are um, s- talking about leveraging copyright infringement and all the rest. So. I totally like. I think it's going to force us to actually start to bring a lot of different shades to what we mean by creativity and maybe authenticity. And and I, I agree. I'm nervous in my business that if we do work um, that AI is involved in, and we're having to deal with this at the legal side, if we deliver a product or an outcome to a client, did we do that, or is that the? Uh, do we have to check that license agreement that we signed with the piece of AI um, software? Um, right now, actually, they're quite open and um, <coughs> wonderfully free. Um, most of those agreements are not in place. You can do whatever you want and claim it as your own, but beware if you do something like the Drake Weekend hit, because then someone's going to come knocking. So I, I, it's interesting. I, I don't know what create. I think we're going to have like a hundred different shades of creativity very soon because of this.
0: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. There's also, I know that. Um, people are feeding Kanye West's voice into the AI and then they're getting him to cover songs. And it's this kind of strange thing of like, oh, I, I wonder what my favorite singer would sound like if they covered this track that they haven't ever sung, but then also with a contentious singer.
1: But also, mm-hmm. also and, and that, to that point. In a way, that, bec- that becomes a new kind of authenticity, right? It was like authenticity for perfume if it is yours. I mean, Think about what, what the industry has done, like uh, people used to be kings and queens or, or bums in the street, right? And then there was the Industrial Revolution and suddenly ever the, 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 the average level of human behavior or, or human uh, the relationship with the artificial, artificial reality is, is, is uh, getting better and better. But at the end it's also the medium, right? But now we start to get to the point that, you know, I can live as a king and a queen because I have my personal perfume. Now we get to the point that finally we, it's like we elevate the opportunity of the industrial society. So, I, and, and this, to the point of authenticity, I think is, a, I mean, it, it, the other day we were talking about the book and the, what, if, what if, you, if if you find out that the book is written by AI, would you still want to read it? a super interesting question. I, th- I think most people would say, "Yeah, well, don't want to read it anymore," which is weird, no? Same story.
0: I think there's also the curiosity element. I'd want to see if a if a book by AI could move me. Yeah, no, I can I can see people. Okay,
1: agreeing, who wants to read the second book then?
4: <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I I got a chance to go to the Triennale here. I think it was. Uh, two days ago, and there's an Ettore Sotsas exhibit there and a quote from him, which I will murder here, but the paraphrase is basically, when I go to a museum, the objects are dead. What I want to see is the, the life experience that led up to that. I want to know what led up to that. And that's certainly missing from AI. So we don't have, to the point of the book, if I read a book and I know someone is pulling on their experience, that's a human connection versus the product is kind of just empty if we don't have that underneath story I think yeah we can make that then eh? yeah
1: we yeah. can make it right there that's not so complicated
0: I was interested in that you jumped straight there Clark to um, this anxiety that something that you co-create with AI could cause like legal issues about ownership and what does that mean if you have engaged with Um, you know intellectual property in that way but do you all as designers are you worried that someone could be right now feeding your work into an AI that one day we could just type something in and be like oh this will design something in the style of Yves Baha
5: that already happens every single day (laughs) I mean the amount of copies of all of the designers that are here um, that exist in different forms is, is out there already. So we know what that is. That's
1: called human intelligence, <laughs> <What> artificial <laughs> <laughs> intelligence.
5: So, yep. so I, think, I think we stopped getting worried about copies, even though we try to defend our work, and we, you know, we have protections and, and whatnot. But we, we try to, we've stopped um, worrying about it, maybe for one reason, which is they're so easy to spot. They're so easy to. Uh, because we have reverse visual search on Google, because we have all this, you can find, actually AI will help you find copies <laughs> of your own work. Uh, AI will f- help you find maybe AI-created copies of your own work.
4: The
0: AI hunting down the AI. I'm sure there's exactly. several sci-fi films that have used that as a plot point.
5: So that's what teachers are doing today, right? Because uh, student essays are being written in ChatGPT. GPT. And the teacher takes the essay, you know, uh, 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 puts it up and says, ChatGPT, did you write this? And ChatGPT comes back and says, yeah, I wrote this.
0: (laughs) And also, a kind of extra question that's in this sort of wheelhouse. Um, Do you think you have a responsibility as creatives to let your audience know that something was co-created with an AI? I mean, I know you said that we can kind of spot something, that if if something has had that sort of robotic hand, but do you think it's something like, um, now magazines say whether a model has been photoshopped or not. Is it important to flag that, or do you think it's something that everyone's just gonna assume AI was in in here in some way?
3: Well, our practice, I mean, we're called algorithmic perfumery by every human, so we're pretty, I think, transparent about what we're doing, um, but joke aside, I think, well, in the industry of scent, you know, the, I, the, um, there's a lot of, um, you know, it's, you can't really do much about the formula, you can't really defend it in court, um, there's a natural, there's a, it's a very evolutionary uh, design, I would say, industry, there's a lot of bits and pieces of product out there that have informed new products. And someone who's maybe well-versed in the development of scents might recognize, OK, this smell you know, s- is affiliated with that. But, And of course, the end users also, when they have a scent and they smell another brand that has done a Me Too or something very similar, also you know, pick up on that. So you don't necessarily need to be an expert. But this idea of copy, I, I would say it's so also in the, in the scent industry already part of the, the reality of what it is, um, that it's only when something truly different or innovative that comes out that you, you know, sort of know, okay, this is a new, this is a new path. Um, and in our case, you know, what's interesting is w- what the platform creates with the user, then they can also create more variations of it. We give them access to the formula and they can tweak for themselves. And then they can share that formula with others who can then build upon what they've done. So it's a very, I would say, kind of you know, open, open in terms of, of that, for us at least, compared probably to the industry, which is still very secretive.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize until very recently that it was very hard to trademark ascent. Clark, do you have any thoughts on whether you've got a label? I mean, you're diving into AI now. Are you going to tell your clients, Are you going to tell your customers when AI has been involved?
4: Uh, ongoing debate. And I think it's going to be, again, it's going to be shades of things. If you're using AI to gain inspiration um, and, and you use that idea and develop it further, I don't know that that's any different than seeing a museum exhibit and thinking, oh, that's a good idea that they approached that problem and it unlocks how you're thinking about a different problem. Um, But I think if you're actually presenting work and claiming it as your own that was produced by a machine that's, I don't have the answer, but uh, that it's more um, challenging.
0: Well, we already know that Marcel is publishing books and pretending they're not written by AI, but what would you genuinely where do you stand on flagging up whether AI has been used in your creative process?
1: Yeah I, I think ultimately it depends really on the, to how far an extent is this is the AI part essential to the creation of a thing? Um, we made the videos near, near to the kiss chair. We made them with AI. We made the avatars. And we wrote the stories the 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 formula the text formula and it, it's all done with AI um, it's very clear I deliberately kept it very clear also it's fun um, so I, I think it's healthy to to be clear about it but it, it's like a, at some point it's it's hidden in everything no? it's, it's not
0: do you have something to add to that yes I can see you no a little.
5: <coughs> My thoughts are more. I'm, I'm not worried about us. I'm not worried about um, people who already have the skills, you know, to sort of enhance your skill of writing with ChatGPT or to take some visual imagery of the things you create and kind of merge them through AI through something else. To me, though, those are, you know, those are legitimate uses of a technology, which again is just like fabric. It's just like other technologies that are out there. What I'm more worried about is what got me, and I think some of us in this room, to be good at something um, is probably when we were teenagers and you were a little angry at the world and you wanted to like, learn something your own way. And so some of us started drawing, some of us started programming. A lot of my friends um, in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, uh, technologists, you know, where learn how to program, right? Uh, some of our friends that are here learn to write and became beautiful writers. How did that happen? It happened because you spent 10,000 hours on it. It's because you, you were drawing until you, your fingers had calluses and, and were bleeding from it, right? It, it's th- that struggle, that need to mas- you know, to master something, that drive to mastery. How is somebody who is a teenager today going to have that drive when all they have to do is the shortcut, right? So they're gonna take the shortcut to write something, they're gonna take the shortcut to program something, they're gonna take the shortcut to to draw something or to date, (laughs) how are they going to have that mastery which carries them through life? Because it's a passion, it's a love, and it's something, once you're good at something, you get better at something, You, you pursue it for the rest of your life. And that's what I'm more worried about than simply how we use it as know, people that are fairly good at what they do already in our
0: work. Um, that kind of brings us nicely to um, a topic I wanted to get onto, which is the ethics of AI. And I think you've brought up something really interesting there, that you've got to think about what it's doing to future generations. But there is also this question of labor, of reimbursement. Are you uh, taking away from people if you're just reducing them to writing prompts into an AI? Um, do you also see this as a way that less scrupulous companies might use these shortcuts to not have to pay people to do it?
5: So I don't. I don't see. As I said in the beginning, I feel that um, it's more. It, the issue is more around skill building than taking. You know, taking the the jobs of today. Let's let's face it. This is a subject that is the trendiest subject of of the day, the week, the month. Um, maybe for good reasons, but we've seen those subjects, those discussions before, right? Whether it was the metaverse, whether it was, um, you know, Bitcoin, etc., etc. And has it fundamentally changed the way we are today or has it not? For example, we've spent trillions of dollars developing AI and robotics to replace factory workers uh, or people who pick up, you know things off the shelf and put in a box and send it to you via Amazon or uh, taxi drivers right with with um, 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 you know with intelligent driving technologies none of uh, we're we're spending all this money to replace basically very low-cost labor people who are making 20 euros 30 euros an hour and it, I don't think it's working. I don't think we're replacing taxi drivers anytime soon with a $150,000 know, bunch of cameras on top of the roof. So maybe, maybe we'll be replacing some high-end jobs with AI. You know, maybe that's what we'll be doing. But I'm not sure that, that the, the, the through line of this technology is going to be, we're going to replace all jobs that, are, that currently exist, at, um, at the, the
4: all blue color jobs. I would agree with that. I actually think the more interesting questions for AI are jobs that humans can't do. And I, I heard a talk some time ago from someone at the World Economic Forum saying, for example, cancer research. There's thousands of articles produced on you know specific pieces of cancer research every year, and no one doctor could possibly consume all that information in, in, in their lifetime. There's no way but we expect them to be highly specialized to take care of us and so imagine what ai can do to actually help be a partner in diagnosing someone's condition that that's spectacular and that's not that's not what like what you're talking about right that can't it's be done a, any other no, way so what I, so what i'm saying is absolutely I 100% agree with yeah. you in the medical field
5: in like analysis of uh, pictures in the way that you analyze brain scans in the way that um, you know in the way that you do the analysis of things, um, AI is better than human yeah. that's that's clear
2: I'm totally on the opposite side uh, I, I good I agree that it, um, you know in the, in the medical field, you see it happening actually a lot um, breast cancer is better detected by an AI than by a um, by a human but I mean, we have to take into account the true trillions of dollars, but we're 20 years into this technology. If you, you, know, if you think about, uh, we were flying for 100 years right now, um, and if you see the advance that AI has made in the 20 years, and if you compare that with the advance that you know, more traditional technologies have made, and if you basically extrapolate that pace, and for me uh, it's very clear where we're heading. That is a much more robotized uh, society with automated systems that take you from A to B. That, uh, I mean if you, s- uh, if you see how fast it's going, um, yeah, I, I, I don't see a different conclusion than that.
0: Yeah, yeah and I think it's quite interesting there was um, I think with that same uh, goodwill, they asked an AI to create uh, new experimental treatments for diseases, um, which it did, but then it also created a horrible nerve agent. So they accidentally weaponized the AI because the AI couldn't tell the difference between a cure and a horrible poison. But um, that, that, That's interesting what you were saying about um, that actually you feel the rate of progress has been very slow because there has been so much money put into this technology and also there's, there's I don't a lot think, of resources. But I don't think it's
2: slow. I think it's, it's, it's extremely fast. Oh, sorry, so so you no think, I think, that it's I think it's... Yeah, I think it's extremely fast. And I think as well, I, I think what there is a super big interest from society, from, from, from interest in society to, to, you know, it's the economic laws that are there to basically cut down on cost. And it's a calculation that you can do, and and that's basically driving an investment. And it's it's a very understandable... um, I'm not agreeing with it, but it's a very understandable logic that's behind driving this innovation, partly.
0: Do you think there's a kind of destructive urge for it as well, though? Because just to train a single large language model you require so many resources, so many computers, so many data servers, they all have to be kept in, um, in a very cold, undisturbed state to process all of that kind of computing power. Is that something, I mean, actually I'd be interested to know if that's something that you think about when you're creating your perfume. Do you know the environmental cost of the AI that runs it?
3: I don't know the environmental cost of the AI, but I know that we're not pre-producing thousands of bottles that aren't being bought, and you know all of that. So not, I'm not—I not, guess I'm avoiding your question by <laughs> putting the focus elsewhere, and I'm not telling you what I'm doing. Um, I, I don't know to be honest, and I think we're still small. That I think we humbly are not probably contributing much to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, for us, it's more the small size, made to order, in real time get larger if you like it. And um, yeah, that's a little bit more our, our, our interest around how this can be more sustainable for the, for the industry.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very good point, because part of the point of every human is that um, you're not creating perfume that's just going to be wasted. So much designer perfume, if it doesn't sell, will just have to be destroyed. But to go back to that, Clark, is that something that you think about, the environmental costs of using these technologies?
4: Um, I think probably the more pressing questions are the ethics of the technology itself. I, I think the environmental impacts, we have to engage that. I would say the discussion we're having more at IDEO is um, how, how transparent can it be? How responsible can it be? Um, I think that extends to environmental impact, but also social impact. Um, and how understandable can it be? and right now um and i agree with the comments earlier the pressure the economic pressures are driving some reckless behavior and if you as recline just posted that many engineers in the industry are actually asking for regulation it's going too fast they're having to take shortcuts they're having to make frankly ethical compromises in some of the abilities they're giving to some of these tools before we fully understand the impact so i don't know there's like a might be nice to pump the brakes a bit but at least to have some principles by which we kind of um, apply these tools
5: yeah i feel the the um generally technology is and you know provides an environmental uh, efficiency that you know that we don't see in other things Um, and so you know i think i think where it makes sense these technologies are you know should be there you know if we don't you know, if we're more efficient at doing diagnostics at treating patients at developing drugs etc that's that's uh, that's a benefit right that's an environmental benefit um, so but I think as, as Carl said we're gonna see tremendous mistakes um, before regulation comes in because usually the politicians don't really look at anything until until the constituents start screaming. So so that's going to take you know,
4: maybe a short while, maybe a little longer. Um, Probably a lot of destruction on the way. I mean, I don't want to be totally doomsday, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Eve's just saying that our entire youth is going to be destroyed, but I think that is a good point that.
4: I'm more, this is,
5: this is to me, a, the, I'm more interested in the human cost for you know, for, for, for a younger generation. And I think it's solving a lot of, pro- I mean, it's gonna be solving a lot of interesting lifestyle, uh, quality of life issues for for the aging, but I don't, you know, the unintended consequences, I think, generally are for the younger generation.
0: Um, how do you think, um, like, you know, young designers, people who want to get into that world, how do you think they should approach AI, or do you think it's a the role of, Design institutions to kind of put some like guardrails on how their students interact with it.
5: I don't think so. I think I mean yes. I mean eventually it's for us the adults to kind of regulate things. But all my friends who you know are, were tremendously successful at learning software, at learning the program, they all were hacking stuff. You know, they all were breaking into companies. Um, you know. Playing pranks on on, on people and, um, and, and and businesses. So I think it, that's where that's where actually where the creativity is and breaking the rules. Now, as long as it's kids doing it, we're I think we're okay. Um, when it's um, large economic interests doing it, then um, or or like what we've seen with social media. Essentially, our social media platforms have been hacked by political. Uh, very divisive political forces, right? And so that is another unintended consequence that AI
4: is going to have. I I feel like as designers, we're we're asked to kind of envision a future and I think with optimism, like we we make things, we create things, right? And I think with optimism, hoping that's a more positive thing than um, what was before it. Uh, And so I I think that's, for me, that's why there's really a mandate for designers to be using these tools. I would say for anybody here, if you're a designer, just rather than fear it, get start using it so that we can understand it, um, so that it can become transparent and understandable to the world. Um, that's kind of the designer's job, I think, is to, to envision more appealing, more beautiful, more functional, more pro-social futures. Um, this tool will impact that. So we ha- I just think we, there's a mandate almost, I feel, for designers to engage with it right now.
0: Thank you so much to my wonderful panelists. Um, thank you to Moy for having us. And uh, remember, if you want to listen to this again or if you want to tell your friends about what an amazing conversation they missed out on, you can find uh, Design Your Podcasts anywhere that you get your podcasts. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Thank, you. thank you, guys.
0: For listening to this Design Your Podcast. Tweaking is Optional was recorded live at Moy's exhibition, A Life Extraordinary, during Milan Design Week 2023, with thanks to our panelists Marcel Wonders, Yves Bahar, Clark Sheffi, Anahita Mechanic, and Frederick Duernick. This podcast was produced and edited by Abby Hall, with assistance from Lara Chapman, and our music is by Zapsfeld. It was made for and supported by Moy more podcasts, please subscribe to Design Your Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.